Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Jar. My name's Chris, and we're so glad you chose to hang out with us today. At the end of the celebration today, we're going to share in communion. And so if you did not get a communion cup, but you would like to participate, if you just raise your hand, uh, one of our greeters will get that to you. So just raise your hand, and one of the greeters will get this uh, to you. Uh, For those of you that are on the stream, uh, if you go ahead and just get... Uh, something to drink and a piece of bread, and uh, we'll join all together uh, at the end of our celebration. So make sure uh, that you have one of these. Well, in the early days of the jar, uh, I reached out to a guy by the name of uh, Jared, and he and I started playing golf together. He and some other friends would play golf, and I joined them, and he and I uh, had a really good friendship. Jared was just a great, great guy and had a wonderful wife named Dareth and uh, three great kids. He was a really hard worker and we just hit it off and we would play golf uh, together uh, quite regularly. And um, he, though, kind of had a grudge against God. He just wasn't so sure about who God was. And there was this sense that, uh, you know, I'm just not quite sure um, who God is, and and he was far from God. And so we would talk about this regularly and have a relationship together, um, and that would come about. And then after a couple of years, we kind of just lost contact uh, from one another. And several years went by, and then one day I got a phone call from Jared, and he told me that he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he was 33 years old. Now, remember how old he was because that was my age. And he had a wife and three children, and the diagnosis was not good. So immediately, I reached out to him. We built our friendship back up again. He started coming to the jar, and his family did as well. And uh, we started praying together and reading scripture together and reaching out uh, to him more and more. And... uh, he was appreciative of all of that. And it was one of those times in my life, maybe you've had this before, where you prayed so hard, you just believed that God was going to bring healing. That you were confident. You'd, I'd seen him do it with other people, and so I'm sure he was going to do it with Jared. And there was a season where uh, his cancer went into remission, but then it came back with vengeance, and then my friend died. And I'll never forget going uh, to his house And he wasn't there anymore, but his wife was. And I remember sitting on the back porch, and there are these three little kids that were playing around, and their lives were going to be turned upside down for the rest of their life. I remember driving home after that in a car and thinking, God, why did you let this happen? God, why would you allow this to happen? You know, that began a season for me where I had a grudge against God. Have you ever had a grudge against God before? Have you ever uh, been disappointed by God? Has God ever let you down in some particular way in your life? Maybe it was a baby that you had dreamed of having and you wanted a baby so badly and the baby never came. Maybe it was an engagement that you thought, this is going to be the one, this is the person that I'll spend the rest of my life with, but it never came. 
Maybe you were praying for a miracle for someone that you loved that uh, kind of like I did for, for Jared, but the miracle never came. Maybe, just maybe, you've been disappointed by God. And when we are disappointed by God and we're carrying a grudge, what do we do? Well, this morning, I want us to look at a story, a powerful story in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, of a woman who was disappointed by God. And her name is Hannah. And she went through this time in her life in which she was so disappointed that there was this grudge that was bearing. But then at the end of the story, there was reconciliation after she had held a grudge. Now, before we jump into Hannah's story, I want to share a little bit about her husband. Her husband's name was Elkanah. And in Hebrew, uh, the word Elkanah actually means one who created a son, that God will create a son for you. God will give you a son. And so throughout his entire life, he regularly would be walking around, and every time someone would say his name, it was as if they were saying, you're going to have a son. You are going to have a son. And so when he married Hannah, he was so excited because he knew that his name meant that he would have a son. And he assumed that God would do this. And then Hannah could not bear any children at all. And it was at this time that most biblical scholars believe that he married a second woman named Penina and she became the one that would have his children. Now, I want to take a time out right now because I have a feeling that some of you guys who are here are like, cool, two wives. Like, woo, I get two wives. Now, this is what I know. If you're thinking that right now, this is what I know about you. You're single. You're single. Because if you were married, you would recognize that one spouse is enough. Right? Married people, are you true on that? One spouse is enough. I mean, this is not The Bachelor, folks, where you know, make kiss with two women at night and then you go home and everything's fine. These two women become rivals to each other. Penina can have children, but Hannah is not able to. And you can imagine kind of the internal dialogue that was regularly going on in Hannah's mind. Because in this culture, if you were a woman, you were to have children. Children were social security for the rest of your life. And your role as a woman during biblical times was to bear children. And she felt like a failure. She thought, I cannot even provide this for my husband. And I'm sure she was regularly asking, God, why are you doing this? God, where are you? This is what I need to do. You're doing this for Penina. Why are you not providing a child for me? God, where are you? You're the author of life. You can give life. Why have you not given me a child? 
Well, unfortunately, uh, Penina was a mean girl, really mean. And she would regularly just kind of throw some shade at Hannah. Here's what the scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, verses 6 and 7. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Then verse 7, which is incredible, uh, kind of a painful verse, it says this. Year after year... It was the same. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle, the the place where the people of Israel, the Jewish people would come and they would celebrate once a year that the presence of God was there. And each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. So here you have Hannah, this sweet, godly girl. And then you have Penina, the girl that your mama warned you against. I mean, Penina was a mean girl. She was a cruel girl. She was like the girl that you did not want to have around. She would stab you in your back. Some of you have actually dated this girl before, haven't you? Now, we pray for that girl, but we don't want her in our life. And that's who Penina was. Well, you can just imagine that regularly Hannah would be asking, where are you, God? Here I am. I'm being faithful. I'm doing what you've called me to do. And I have no children. But there's Penina, the mean girl, the cruel girl. And she has a child. I'm going to church every day. Or every week, and I'm in a small group, and I'm loving you, I'm trusting you, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, I'm even serving in jar kids. And where are you, God? I just don't understand. And she did, perhaps, maybe what you do when you're at this point, and she started to pray. And she would pray, and she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed, and she believed. But year after year, year after heart-wrenching year, she prayed, she believed, she waited, and she waited. And yet there was no answer to her prayer. Can any of you relate to this? Can any of you at all Relate to that idea that you're praying and you're praying and you're praying and it just seems like God's not coming through. Maybe you've been praying for a job. I've talked to a lot of people over the last few weeks that are praying for a job. They're believing for a job, a job with benefits. This is what what they want and yet the job hasn't come. Maybe you've been praying for God to work in a person's life, to bring healing to them in some way and yet... The more that you pray, it seems like there just isn't an answer. And yet you say to yourself, well, I know that God's doing this for other people. Why isn't he doing it for me? Maybe you've been praying, God, please take this depression away from me. And year after year, God, please take it away. Anxiety, maybe some of you are battling with anxiety. Please, God, take this anxiety away. And year after year after year, it just doesn't seem to change. 
For others of you, maybe it's a financial hardship. You want God to jump in. Maybe it's a marriage that you're just like, it's not going the way that I want. Maybe for others of you, it's some decision that you need God to jump in and to be a part of, or you're dreaming to be with a certain someone and you're asking God. Maybe you're dealing with grief, the loss of a loved one. God, would you take this away from me? And year after year, you just don't. Hear it, and you cry out to God, where are you, God? I've trusted you, God. I've been going to church. I've been doing the things that you want me to do, and yet I don't hear anything. Well, I just want you to know that if you have felt like that, if you're feeling like that today, this is exactly where Hannah was. Now, beyond Hannah just being neglected from God and being ripped on by Penina, uh, she also had a husband, Elkanah, who was, how should I say it? He was just a dude. Like, he was just a dude. I mean, from everything that we can tell of in this story, he was a good man, but he was still a dude. And sometimes dudes ask really dumb questions. Like, really dumb questions. For example, guys, never ask a woman this question. Did you mean to do that to your hair? Like, just don't do that. I- I'm trying to think of you guys, okay? Just never ask that question. And fellas, when you come up to a woman, never ask them this question. Um, are you pregnant? Never do that. A couple of weeks ago, there was a woman that was sitting in the back row back there. I walked up. I was 95% sure she was pregnant. I've learned, so I didn't ask the question. Some of you are like, oh, he didn't. No. You're right, I didn't. I didn't ask the question. But I thought it to myself, and later that week I sent a text, and I said, hey, it was great to have you with us, and I really enjoyed our conversation. I'll see you this Sunday. And she texted me back, and she said, well, we do want to come back on a Sunday, but it won't be this Sunday because we just had baby Violet. And they sent me a picture, and and they're like that. And then I responded back, and I said, really? You didn't even look pregnant. (laughs) Joking, joking. I did not say that, really. But rather, guys, why you ask questions are questions like this. You know, why are you just so wonderful? I mean, you are just so wonderful. How did I get a person like you? Those are the questions you should ask. Well... Elkanah was a dude. Everyone say, he was a dude. Go ahead. Yeah, he was a dude. And one day, he asked one of the dutiest questions you could ever ask. Poor Hannah wants to have a child. And Elkanah wonders why she is so upset. And so then he asked these questions. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than ten sons? Everybody say, he's a dude. Yeah, he's a dude. I mean, ladies, he actually thought this was going to help. And so we ask this question, and it doesn't help at all. It doesn't help. Now, 
Hannah's response is not in the scripture, but I was praying and the Holy Spirit gave me some words of what she said. And this is what God kind of gave me. You're an idiot. Why are you an idiot? You know, because when I ask dude questions, my wife will often say, Chris, why are you being such an idiot? Like, why do you do that? Why do you ask that particular thing? So in this story, Elkanah is a dude and he is just clueless. Then you have Penina running around with all of her little rugrats. Every time Hannah sees these kids, um, and she just is hurting. And she's criticizing, Penina's criticizing Hannah and belittling her, putting her down. And yet, what does Hannah do? Hannah prays and she believes, but God withholds what is her greatest desire. Folks, what do you do when you wake up and you're disappointed by God? That God, you know, could do what you're asking him to do, but he simply hasn't done it. Well, this is what Hannah did. And I wouldn't necessarily recommend that you do this every single day for the next 20 years, but I do think it's essential that there are moments and seasons in our lives when we need to do what Hannah did. And what she did was she just unloaded on God. She just let it rip. She didn't hold anything back. She said, God, this is exactly what I'm thinking. This is exactly what I'm feeling. And she took all of her pain and all of her hurt and all of her disappointment, and she just hurled it towards God. And the scripture says this, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Shiloh is where the tabernacle is, where the presence of God is. They come to this place to give offerings and celebrate the goodness of God. So one year at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. From the depths of her heart, she cries out to God. We don't know exactly what she says. It's not recorded in Scripture. But I have a feeling that part of it was, God, this isn't fair. God, I have done everything that you've asked me to do, and this isn't fair. I'm following you, I'm serving you, I'm doing the things that you want me to do. And you give to my nemesis, uh, Penina, you give her children, but the thing that I desire the most, you're refusing to give to me. God, I've done everything for you. And she pours out her heart to God. Folks, if you're ever hurting, if you're ever feeling disappointed by God, let him know. Pour your heart out to him. Let him know exactly what you're feeling. He is big enough to handle whatever anger or struggle or hurt you have. In fact, it was the kind of way that the great characters of the Bible, not just Hannah, but other ones acted honestly with their heart towards God as well. King David, the greatest king of the Old Testament, did it. Jeremiah, the great prophet. Jesus himself, if you remember, when he's on the cross, he gets so honest with God that he cries out these words. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why did you turn your back on me? I've been faithful to you in everything. Why have you done this? Folks, God loves you enough that he says, I'll understand your pain. And this is our big idea this morning. This is your fill-in, and I pray that many of you would live it out. God is big enough to understand your pain. God loves you enough, and God is big enough to understand your pain. He's big enough to understand your doubts. He's big enough to understand your questions. He's big enough to understand those things in your life that you just don't get. He's big enough that even when you're angry at him, when you're, when you're frustrated for you to share with him exactly what you're feeling, because this is what I believe is true, that God would rather you yell at him, to yell at him, and to be honest, than to walk away from him in pain and defeat. He'd rather you share exactly what your disappointment and pain is than to walk away defeated. And so maybe today for some of you, you need to take a moment where you take your pain to God, you take your hurt to God, you take your anger to Him. Well, Hannah unloaded on God and she basically said, I just don't understand. And then she prays a prayer. She cries out. She says, if you'll give me a son, if you'll give me a son, I promise that I will give him to you. I will give him to the temple. I'll give him to the priest. I will give him directly to you, to him, if you'll give him to me. And she prays this prayer, but there was an immediate change. It wasn't like heaven opened up and a light came down on her and said, now you're going to be pregnant. She walks away and there's nothing tangible whatsoever. But what does she have? She still has to deal with this mean girl, Penina. She has this clueless husband, Elkanah, and she still has no baby. She has no real sign. So what does she do? Well, she does the thing that you and I do often when we're disappointed by God. And what she does is, I'll just still keep the faith. Things aren't changing around me. I don't see any hope at all, but I'm going to keep the faith. I'm going to keep doing what I do. And I'm just going to believe, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to wait. I'm going to believe and pray and wait. And she tries her best to trust him. And she says, even though I don't understand God, I will hold on to you. Then in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19, we hear these powerful kind of emotional words as it says this, the entire family got up the early the next morning and they went to worship the Lord. What's the last two words say? Once more. Once more. I love the way that that's phrased. I'm willing to get up the next morning. I see nothing changed. Nothing is any different than what it's been year after year after year. But she goes, she went to worship the Lord once more, once more. When COVID hit, it was a moment where I eventually just had to unload on God. Because immediately once it hit, there were several families that left the church and they were upset the way that we did things and, and they walked away. People that I had invested in put energy in. And then there were many people that just didn't come back because they were fearful. And each Sunday I would get up 
and I would just feel like a failure. I was, for many months, if you remember, I was talking to no one at all, and I just felt like a failure that this was my fault, that God, somehow, I've created this, I've let you down, and it took about two years where I would pray, and I would believe, and I would wait. And if you looked at my journal, folks, during that time, you might be like, Pastor Chris, like, you said that? Yeah, I did. Because I needed to be honest with exactly what I was feeling because I felt so disappointed by God. And I remember regularly praying, God, like, where are you? Where are you, God? This isn't fair. What's going on isn't fair. And then you know what I would do? I would just hold on. I'd hang on, not necessarily always believing, not wanting to be on the stage, but I would hold on. And I'd go to my small group. I would go to church each week. And just once more, just once more, once more I would worship him. And here's the take-home message, folks, that some of you need to know today. A waiting season is never a wasted season. A waiting season is never a wasted season. I mean, just because you don't see something, it doesn't mean that God isn't doing something. His spirit is still working. He is still good. He still hears the cries of your heart. Because even if you're in a waiting season right now, it is not a wasted season. You know, in Hannah's case, God hears the cries of her heart and God gives the desires of her heart. And the truth is, that may happen in your life as well. But it might not. You might pray for something and on this side of heaven, it may never happen. And yet, no matter what the outcome is, the goodness of God, folks, is not based upon what we see or what we don't see. The goodness of God is based upon who He is, that He is a good Father. He's a good God. And in Hannah's case, after year after year after year, this is what happened. The Scripture says they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah... After, she, after he apologized for being such a dude, okay? After he did that, when Elkanah slept with her, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. And on that day, folks, Hannah learned the valuable lesson that is this. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. For some of you that are on the stream right now, you should like swipe that. For those of you that are here in the auditorium, take a picture of the screen. Remember that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Just because you can't see it in the moment doesn't mean that it's not going to happen in your lifetime. So today, this is how we're going to close. We're going to close with communion, which is a time in which we remember what Jesus Christ did on a cross. 
that he gave his life so that all of your sins, all of your grudges, everything from your past would be forgiven. And I have no doubt that in a crowd this size, and for those of you that are on the stream, some of you right now, you're going through some tough stuff. You're struggling right now with something in which you're asking, God, where are you? God, this isn't fair. God, I know you could do what you have done in the past and what you're doing for other people, but you've not done it for me. I've trusted you, I've had faith, and yet you haven't answered my prayer. And some of you are just like, beating your head against the wall and you're like so frustrated and you have this grudge and maybe today is the day where you say I surrender it I surrender this to you God I'm not going to carry it anymore and this is what I need you to know about our loving God he knows every tear you cry in fact the scripture says that he holds it he knows what you're going through he doesn't walk away He never will leave you. So right now, I'd like to give you some time just between you and God before we share communion. That you could just be honest. Get real with Him. Let it rip. Quietly in your mind, say, God, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm struggling with. This is where I feel in my life. It's not fair. Where are you at in this? Share your struggles. Share your pain. And then confess any grudge, any sin, anything that separates you from Him. And after we spend a little bit of time of being real with God, we will share in communion. So I'm going to ask that the lights come down right now and for you to have a moment just between you and God. And for those of you that are on the stream, that you would have a moment as well. And confess anything that you're holding against Him or against anyone else, any grudge that you have. Let's take some time right now. this point, I'd invite you to pull out your little cup that you have. And for those of you online, you can get your bread or your drink. And for those of us here in the auditorium, there's a clear seal at the top. You just pull it aside like that. There's a piece of bread. I'd invite you to just take it and hold it for a second till everyone has that. And as you uh, kind of hold this bread in your hand, that you would remember that Scripture says that the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took a piece of bread, He broke it, and He gave it to His disciples. And He said, this is my body given for you. And 
we take that as a gift right now. And if you would, there's a gold kind of peel at the top. If you'll just kind of pull that back. Until everyone's ready, just hold it for a second. You might remember in the same way that night, Jesus took a cup and he said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. And he said, what I want you to remember is that you're forgiven. Anything that you've even been angry with me about, I forgive you. I forgive you. I love you. I forgive you. I love you. I forgive you. I love you. This blood was shed for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. And we do that right now. Let's pray. God, we uh, thank you so much for the fact that you forgive us, that we're your children and you love us so much, and that even if we've been carrying a grudge against you, that you never carry a grudge against us. We thank you for loving us enough that even when we doubt, even when we question, even when we're ready to give up, you send Jesus into this world to reconcile all things, all of our pains, all of our hurts, everything that we have. God, thank you so much for loving us that even when we drift away, even when we hold a grudge, even when we ignore you, even when we've chosen to walk away, you never walk away from us. Thank you for reminding us that no matter what, that you love us, that you care for us, and that you give us new life today. Today, God, we fully receive your forgiveness in our life. Jesus, we trust you. Jesus, we follow you. Jesus, we give our very life to you. Even when we don't see you working, even when we don't feel you working in our life, God, you are working in ways that we cannot see. And we will choose that even in a waiting season, it is not a wasted season. That even though there might be a delay, God, that your delays are not necessarily your denials. So we ask now, that you would come and you would receive our worship once more, God. We come to you once more, one more time, just as Hannah did as we worship and celebrate you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.
are here Working in this place I worship you I worship you You are Waymaker, miracle worker Promise keeper Light in the darkness My God That is who you are You are Waymaker, miracle worker Promise keeper Light in the darkness my God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. Never stop working, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. Never, let's keep seeing that this morning. Here we go. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Miracle worker, 
That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. 